0: Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. On behalf of Pastors David and Nicole Binion, thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church. Now, let's listen to today's message. So, in the third chapter of Genesis, there's story when Eve takes the fruit and offers it to her husband and suddenly they're aware of their condition. But there's this most intriguing verse in the third chapter, verse 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. A devastating scripture. And they hid themselves. The first thing they did after their sin was hide themselves from the presence of the Lord. But thank God, there was another garden. And Jesus prayed in Gethsemane and sweat drops of blood redeemed the garden. (laughs) And so we no longer have to hide ourselves from the presence of the Lord. I just want to prophesy to you through the night and this morning, I could hear the sound sound of God walking in Allen, Texas, McKinney, Texas. I can hear the sound of God walking. And we will never hide ourselves from his presence. We are a people that he likes to be with. Doing in this house Um, uh, four weeks ago, Malik and Ashley Edwards were here. How many of you were here that Sunday? That five-hour service that was that was officially our longest service. And in that service, my friend Jordan, Jordan, just wave your hand over there, Jordan Vize. I saw I saw Jordan early in the service, and there was just like a, uh, a darkness, a hardness, although he's a striking, handsome young man, uh, but I, I could see something had gripped him. And uh, when Malik started praying for people, I saw him Immediately come forward, and he's on his knees and he's weeping, and I'm so moved by the brokenness that I see uh, from what I first saw early in the service. Sometimes I look around. Nicole was telling me, David, you're we're on like on the stream, and it's it, everybody can see you. you're just kind of looking around. <laughs> well, it's because they took me off the piano, and I can't see you now. Uh, so I have to see I have to see everybody. I sometimes. I, I just want to make sure you're worshiping. Uh, so, so anyway, I was looking around and I saw Jordan Bizet. Yes. And I watched, I, I stepped over, I went and got Malik and I said, come over, I want you to pray for him. And I brought, I drug him over and, and uh, I, I watched this transformation happen before my eyes. I saw, uh, I, I just saw the hand of God bring a great deliverance to this young man. So someday we'll have him share his testimony because he's had uh, quite the journey, but uh, it's not my story to tell, but I will tell you this, Uh, the fire of God just began to burn in him. I saw him show up on Wednesday night. Only the serious people show up on Wednesday night. The very next Wednesday, I saw this bright light in his eyes, and I was just overwhelmed with this transformation. And we met that we met that week, and and uh, uh, we're just he was sharing a little bit of a story, and then um, so part of the story is he lives right now with his mom, who is a believer who loves Jesus. She's here several times; she she comes and visits, and so. And also, the mother of his two children live in the house. And uh, so we begin this conversation. And uh, uh, so what we are, what we are, uh, what I want to share with you today is Jordan and Brianna are getting married today. I call that revival. You want to know what revival looks like? I call that revival. A man set free. Well, so that very next week, they're having a Bible study prayer meeting at Larry's, not at your mother's house, right? The whole family's gathered. I saw a little bit of it on Facebook. Someone was, was it you on the video? You were recording it. And just such a sweet presence of the Lord. And while they're praying, Brianna is filled with the Holy Spirit. And gets her prayer language at home. At home. And so God is doing this beautiful thing. And what we're doing and our encouragement was that we close every door of opportunity. That the enemy can try to get back in. And so, uh, so this marriage is such a beautiful picture of covering and, and freedom and deliverance. And I, I just wanted you to know that. Today, uh, This is what's happening at Dwell Church Now, you, None of you are invited This is just going to be a private ceremony with the family So get over it Don't try to come and talk to me after church And say can I sneak in when is it It's at 5 o'clock but, uh, And the doors will be unlocked But you, you know uh, It's going to be a beautiful It's going to be a beautiful thing And I think that's something to celebrate And I want you to do that I have a new friend now, Jordan's my buddy, I love you, sir, and uh, so I'm ready to start, are you all ready? I don't think this is going to be long, (laughs) Uh, but I have a few things I want to share. I want to recap a little bit from last week, how many of you were here last week, uh, the great experiment, and we challenged you. I I invited you to join me that for 30 days, every waking hour, the first minute of every hour that we would invite Jesus into our thoughts, into our conversation, whatever it is. Uh, We were having dinner with the gardeners the very next day, and I encouraged you in, in church on Sunday, if you have to set your alarm on your phone every hour, so that when it goes off, you can just take a minute and focus and talk to Jesus. Does that sound like a good idea? So, but, but I mean, I didn't set my alarm on on Monday, but I was praying all throughout the day. I was, you know, I was remembering. I was just like, my heart was turned towards him. And But we get to dinner and... Uh, at the top of, I think it happened three times while we were there, this alarm goes off and they stop preparing the meal and just start talking to Jesus. It's like, oh, oh, I like this. And so we take a couple minutes and then we're into the meal. And while we're talking having the meal, the alarm goes off again. And then we dove in again. Oh, oh, this is growing. Uh, this I, I, I just felt uh, even a greater sense the second time. And then the third time I'm like, I like this. And so we set our alarms and we, uh, we, there was one point Nicole said, will you just give me a chance? Give me a turn? Because every time the alarm went off, I just started talking to Jesus. And so she stopped. Will you just give me a chance? It's my turn. And then, so she wanted to talk and I'm like, babe, we could both get to talk to him. So I want you, if you haven't been doing that, to join me. We're going through August, what? To August 15th will be our 30th day. What might happen to a people who bring Jesus into everything? Is it possible? Is it possible to live this way? Absolutely. It's called practicing his presence. I read the scripture last week, Psalm 27, verse four. This is the passion. Here's the one thing I crave from Yahweh. The one thing I seek above all else. I want to live with him every moment in his house, beholding the marvelous beauty of Yahweh. Filled with awe, delighting in his glory and grace, I want to contemplate in his temple. Say that I want to contemplate in his temple. Do you know that you are not your own? You've been bought with the price, and you are the temple. I want to contemplate in your temple. And then I read this passage. I think I read the whole chapter, but I'm going to give you just the first verse. He Psalms 91 verse one, the new King James version. He who dwells in the secret place of the most high shall abide under the shadow of the almighty. He who dwells in the secret place. um, I just want to say the secret place. Every time you come to him, the secret place, it's called that for a reason. It's always a secret. It's always a secret. He will move the door. He will move the door on you so that relationship doesn't become a ritual. That you have to pursue and search out and seek. We think last week it was the song, I want to move you, tell me what moved. Last, last time we didn't sing that song, that worked. So let's sing that song again because that was the key that opened the door. Then you find yourself singing it and it was the door today. It, it, it worked, it worked, it was my door. Uh, so I'm just using that as an example. But you, you try to you think, sing that song again because the last time we sang it, heaven came in the room. And so we think that is the ingredient and it's never the song. It's the heart. The the hungry heart searching. How many of you have been on a a stage at high school, you know, where they've got the curtain drawn and you're supposed to come out and you're trying to find the slit in the curtain and you search, you run your hands. I know it's got to be right here, but you keep moving and then you find the slit and you are able to push it open. I've I've been involved in shows before uh, where I kind of peek out. (laughs) For real, we we, we would do a concert somewhere and they have a curtain and we'd, I want to see what's happening out there, and I would let everybody see my face, and they start chuckling, laughing out. Uh, but that—that's—that's that's what it's like coming into the secret place. The secret is always a secret, and it takes searching hearts willing to to look foolish. I just. Feel compelled to fall on my knees. What are they going to think about me? They think either, oh, he's just trying to be spiritual, or, or I, I really don't care. For me, when I when I get to that place and I want to hit the floor, uh, I'm after him. I'm not worried about you. But like Nicole said, sometimes I'm looking around to see if it's getting you too. <laughs> He who dwells in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Yeah. Let me get moving. I remember, I used to sing a little song. I just was in a mo- in a meeting, and. Uh, talking about that very thing, the secret place. And I just started singing this little thing. Uh, He who, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty One. Say that with me. He that dwelleth. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the most high God shall abide under the shadow of the almighty one. I found the secret place. I always like that part. I would sing it and get it higher. I found the secret place. See how I changed the key there? I'm in the secret place. And I lived for and still live for his presence. I. Okay. I, I mentioned last week uh, part of this whole concept I've uh, been reading and studying brother Lawrence's book he is from the 1600s and he he did some journaling really not a book just some letters to people called practicing his presence brother Lawrence said if a Christian is to truly practice the presence of the Lord and do so properly then the heart of that Christian must be empty of all Why? Because God wills to possess that heart. And he wills to be the only possessor of that heart. And the only possession in that heart. He cannot be the only possessor of your heart unless it's empty of all else. He cannot put what he desires into a heart unless that heart has been left Vacant for him alone to refill it. So today I'm going to talk about voyeurism or visitation. I asked this question last week. Did you come to watch us burn? Or did you come to burn with us? Make that decision. You you understand the context uh, of of the title, voyeurism or visitation. Are you content to just watch from your comfortable chair and just get a thrill out of watching someone on the stage display their passion? Or do you want to burn? Burn? My heart is that we all get our hair on fire. God spoke to a well-known minister some time ago and said, I've seen your ministry. Would you like to see mine? He's saying the same thing to the church today, right now. Most preachers know how to draw a crowd. They learn it early in their ministry. But they usually don't learn that from God. Ouch. You know, it's, some of this is learned behavior. We think, okay, uh, I think Nicole talked about this. There was a young man who was invited to preach a revival and the pastor wanted him to go door to door. That was the the strategy of the day. You had to go knock on doors and invite people to come. But instead of these days and hours that everyone else was knocking on doors, this young man felt the urgency to just pray. He did not get up and uh, engage in the door to door process. That was common to that church. This is how we win people. This is how we invite people to church. This is how we get a crowd. But he just prayed until he got a notion to go to a particular place and he happened to go to a house where there was a, did God give him a name of someone? I don't know. It was a sick teenage boy that he went to this house and visited and he goes in and he asked the mother, can I come in and pray for your teenager? This was a, a young man that was loved in high school, but he, he was, became very sick. And so he goes in and prays for him. He gets healed. And then he goes and tells all of his popular group at school and they all come to the revival. So do you want to grow a crowd man's way or you want to grow a crowd God's way? So let's see, let's see. We're schooled, we're taught, we're trained in attracting man's attention, but ignorant in how to attract God's attention. We have to realize that our purpose draws us from voyeurism into visitation. And if you do that right and long enough, visitation becomes habitation. Gone are the days when one can be satisfied from watching the thrill of someone's anointing from a distance. Just get close enough to feel the goosebumps, but not close enough to be transparent or to be transformed. That's what happened to Jordan. He got close enough. I know how to plan a meeting, to promote an event. Lean on social media. Do what they uh, do what they tell you to do. You know, we we're getting we're preparing for the launch of my book and, and our revelation album in months to come. And so we're meeting with the label, and they're telling us the strategy about what to do on social media and how many times in the right time of day to get the highest. Uh, visibility and all of these things that people do and there's nothing wrong with it. But I'm a little reluctant to follow that path because I've been down that road and I don't like where I see it going in a lot of cases. But I want to say the real reason for my disillusionment is that I've been ruined by his presence. Isaiah said it. He, he said, I saw the Lord and I was undone. That word, that Hebrew word means Ruined. One encounter with him, his presence will ruin your appetite for encounters with man. Now, let me just say, it's essential that we have relationship with each other. It's, it's essential that we build community and we do the things and our hearts are knit together and we're many members fitly joined together and we make up the house of the Lord. So, and we have to have relationship. Amen. And so we do things and we, you know, in the fall, we're, we're getting ready to do uh, another launch in a different way for, for our home groups, because we, it's important that we have community with one another. Yes. So it is important, but it's not our first love. It's not our one thing. The anointing is essential, but it's not to draw attention to ourselves, but to lead us to the source of the anointing, the glory of his presence. Worship leaders learn how to elevate people Elevate the soul with the anointing upon their lives. They learn how to do it with their gifts. And, And there's nothing wrong with that. But I wonder, where are the true worship leaders whose sole purpose is to lead God's people into his presence for his sake? It's just, you know, it's this process that we have to learn. It's like, you know, we develop our gifts and we base our success on how people respond to our gifts. And so we build into our ministry a performance mentality. And if it falls flat or people are sitting on you because they maybe don't like the style of the song you're singing. You know, many people wait to hear if you're going to sing their favorite song to decide if they're going to participate in the worship process. I don't know. Alicia, Alicia. (laughs) The anointing on someone's life can easily draw a crowd. But the problem with those kinds of meetings is that you curry the favor of men without ever seeking the favor of God. The Bible says that Jesus grew in favor with God and man. And he always, 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 always put God first. Throughout his ministry, Jesus' single focus was to hear what the Father was saying and say it to see what the father was doing and do it. That's why Jesus and anyone who followed in his footsteps never worried about the crowd. Yeah, Yeah, I know pastors that get depressed. They wanna give up and quit the ministry if they don't have over a hundred people they're like this is this because that is the measure of their success because someone taught them the wrong priority. If you know God and please him through your total obedience, hunger for him will bring the crowds. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. What kind of crowd do you want to get? The one that's coming for you? I mean, guys, it's just, this is the way it works. You know, Nicole and I are on TVN every week. It would be easy to think, oh, people are going to see us on TV and they're going to want to come to our church. And And we become a celebrity instead of people. And we want, we want to draw uh, because our, I mean, we know our lane, we know our gifting, we know uh, how to step in and use the tools God's given us and change the atmosphere. But if you're not careful, you can become addicted to the feeling of people's response to you. I think I'll be done before 12. It's 1123 in case you're taking medication. If you start getting the shakes or something, uh, we'll pray for you. I'm sorry, I just... I don't mean to be silly, but sometimes it just slips out. Sometimes I forget to put the filter on. I'm afraid though, that most of our carefully orchestrated church services and revival meetings would go along just fine without God's help. Judging by the fruit of some of our endless meetings, I'm not talking about Dwell Church, but I've been in enough churches. They've already been functioning that way for a long time, having church without him. What a sad commentary. It's a statement on how low our hunger level, how, how low our hunger level is that we would be satisfied with less of God than he wants us to experience. We've practiced and perfected the art of entertaining man. And somewhere along the way, we've lost the art of entertaining God. There's a place of intercession that Tommy Tenney called the weeping zone between the court of man and the altar of God where we reach toward God with one hand and reach toward man with the other. Sometimes we get so involved in attracting man that we forget Or we lose the desire, the ability to attract God and bring it together. When you can pull men toward you, but you can't get God to come near. The temptation is to keep promising him and never deliver him. God help us. Help us to always do this the right way. Help us to learn, not just, see, it's, it's like we've created this paradigm where we depend on everybody up on the stage to do the work. I, I just love it when we, we had a Sunday a few months ago where you guys just took over. I mean, it was we, it, the worship on that Sunday was being driven by the people in the congregation more than what was happening up on the stage. Yep. I think that is the real uh, model that I'd love to see happen, that people come so full of zeal for the presence of God. They're not waiting to be worked up. Because that's what we've, that's what we've learned. It's learned behavior. We're waiting for the people to do the three fast songs and two slow songs get us going where we want to jump. And it's like, but we're really just jumping because it's fun to jump. And it's not because we're wanting to dance before the Lord with all our might and our strength because we have the joy of the Lord that makes us dance. We, you know, it's like some churches just hop because they hop. Now the Bible says we can leap for joy. So we have scripture, but some people just do it because it's learned. Some people lift their hands just because they watch somebody else lift their hands. And after a while, they start feeling the freedom of that. But but it's like, it's just learned behavior for them. It's important that we learn why we do what we do. Time and time and time again, we gather crowds of people under the banner of Revival! saying, here's God, with the right voice inflections and the right hand motions. Sometimes someone shows up with a shofar. (laughs) Has that happened here yet? Did we get any shofars here yet? I don't think so. People used to come in with the tambourines, you know, and they never been to one band rehearsal and they're playing off beat. We invite and announce him only to have no place for him to sit. In our drive to please men, we forget to please God. So, he never really shows up. Now we know that he's omnipresent. He's he's everywhere. But there are, I'm talking about when he pours more of himself into a room than we even knew was possible. I think many of us aren't hungry for it because we've never seen it. Wow. Right. Because the church hasn't delivered it. Wow. Yeah. Whoa. Part of the problem is our misuse of terminology. Whoa. Yep. I've been I remember in a in a ultra pentecostal church and there were a few thousand people and the, the music was going and and uh the the bass was doing do we got the the dances happening and we got and then somebody's just running full force across and the pastor was up and he said this is the glory. If you ever hear somebody say this is the glory in an upright position you might want to question the validity of their comments. Every, now I'm all for celebration. I'm all for running. I'm all, I, 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 I wanted to open up, uh, before I started the sermon, I wanted to sing rain dance, uh, but they took my keyboard. So next week, next week we'll do, we'll pull out rain dance, uh, Uh, I, there, nobody likes to get crazy and excited more than I do, but nobody, uh, I, I will, I will wrestle you over who is the most passionate in the room for the presence of God. (laughs) I really won't wrestle you because, because I'm 59. I'll let Larry wrestle you for me. So he really never shows up. He just peeps out from behind the curtain. Releasing just enough of his anointing to let you know he's there. But not enough to have a Damascus Road encounter. Not enough to bring complete transformation. That utterly changes you. We promise God's glory, but often at best give a limited measure of God's anointing. The anointing was never meant to satisfy the hunger of our souls. The anointing and the gifts empowered by it are simply tools to point us to the source. His hands can supply our needs, but only his face can satisfy our deepest longings. There's a big difference between encountering the anointing of God and encountering his glory. The anointing of God in all its various forms has a valid purpose. The problem is that we've become so addicted to the way the anointing makes us feel that we've turned our eyes away from the glory of God's face to get more from his hands. The anointing empowers our flesh and makes us feel good, but the glory will disable you. The anointing will empower you, but the glory will disable you. The anointing is about us, The glory is about him. I'll try to qualify that. If you're anointed, you'll preach better. You'll pray better. You'll minister better. You'll worship better with greater freedom. But that's not his ultimate purpose. It's not his highest purpose for us. The anointing refers to what he pours out on us, smears places upon us to help us do his will. Sometimes it acts as a perfume to prepare us for intimacy. When the anointing of God rests on you, it makes whatever you do better. It doesn't matter if you preach, sing, witness, usher, pray, or minister to the babies in the back. When the anointing comes on you, it empowers your gifts and your talents and callings with the power of God. Yeah. Nevertheless, it's still the anointing and it rests on flesh. The glory is different. Yeah. When the glory of God comes, you suddenly and clearly understand why God said no flesh would glory in my presence. A more literal translation is no flesh should glory in God's face. When the glory comes, your flesh can't do anything. Have you noticed in the Bible, any God encounter that you see in the Bible, they usually end up on their face. It's because they don't really have a choice. Have you ever Have you ever been? I, I can tell you from my experience, and I live for this, because when, when I first encountered the glory in this capacity, I've shared my story before where I and a thousand other people at the same time fell on their faces. The fear of God entered the room. And, and I, 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 there was a black grand piano, and I climbed up under the piano, and I laid there afraid. I didn't want to move because I didn't want to be the one to cause whatever was happening to lift. And I, I couldn't. I couldn't pray. I felt like what I tried to pray, my words seemed insignificant. Why? There are no words for this. Then I thought maybe I'll pray in tongues, and that seemed even inappropriate. All I could do was just groan. I'm thinking, I'm the worship pastor, I should get up on the piano and and lead some kind of worship song, but I had no song in my arsenal of songs that was appropriate for the weight of God's glory. Clearly, when Solomon, it's, it's the story of Solomon's dedication of the temple, when the singers and instruments of music became one and made one sound to be heard in thanking and praising the Lord that the cloud filled the house and the glory of the Lord filled the house and the priests were unable to minister because of the cloud. Yeah. Do we know what that's like? I have I have a few experiences. And yeah. in... in what it started to say, it made me aware of what is possible. Yeah. It, it's what drives me to keep coming again and again and again. And sudden, you know, sometimes there's just a window. I felt the window today where the nearness of God was like, uh, God, if you'll just come, I don't need to preach. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have my notes, but I, I can put, I can just delete those because what you can do In one moment, it's gonna be way better than anything I can tell you today. But perhaps he wants you to hear what I'm saying. And he reserved himself. But I prophesy to you again, I can hear the sound of God walking in our garden. What will he find? Yes. What will he find when he gets near you? You know, he's all-knowing. He, he already knows, he knows us. I, I, think, I think that's I think that's the reason he keeps inching his way. If we, we sense from service to service from week to week, this, this momentum for weeks now since there really was a significant shift the weekend of the youth conference, and I f- it's just this build in the spirit. It's like, I've shared this before, you know, those little spy movies, and they get to, they're going to crack the safe, right? And they turn it, and there's a click, click, click. Then there's a little click. Then they turn it the other direction, and there's, until they hear another click. And then at some point, you feel a release. I feel like the weekend of our youth conference, I felt, That kind of And we haven't fully opened the door, but it's already unlocked. But what we have to be careful is not to just fall into the pattern of the way we've always done things and rely on the anointing And quit pursuing his face. And quit pursuing the glory. Uh, Let me see. The difference between the anointing and the glory is like, do you ever, uh, well, the way we dress for church now, we are wearing sneakers instead of dress shoes, right? But like we used to do it as kids at home and we get like shag carpet and we'd walk and rub our feet across the floor and we touch and there's a little blue spark right <laughs> I think what we I think what we do in church sometimes is we rub our feet on the carpet of God's promises <clears throat> did you feel that oh yeah I felt that but you're not aware that there is something much greater the difference between the anointing is the blue spark that we play games with yeah. than the lightning bolt yeah. that struck a house in my neighborhood yeah. last year and they still haven't replaced and repaired it yeah. and the place burned yeah. up one powerful bolt of electricity yeah. it's the same source it 's the same it 's the same energy it 's the same kind of power it just this is just a way 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 stronger dose a jolt Jesus Jesus we don 't realize that God wants to jolt us with his glory. What would that do it 'd probably kill you see the 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 one will thrill you but the other you get the feeling that it might kill you so we it's it's what happened to the people of Israel they were all invited to come meet God on the mountain but they were like I don't want to pay that price of consecration you go talk to him and then come tell us what he said another tragedy hiding from the presence I'm almost done don't I don't say that because I'm worried about finishing it's just something to say to fill in the spots <laughs> you know some preachers say come on somebody others say y'all ain't saying nothing I say I'm almost done Don't make the mistake of prostituting the anointing to pursue man so your church will grow. I'm gonna say this for Carson. I used this uh, example with him before and he was repeating it at home later. Just say, I care more for his presence. P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E than his presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S. I love the gifts God bestows upon us, but I'm not looking for the gifts. That's just, it's like, if you get his face, all that he is, all that he brings comes with him. Like right now, I need a healing in my shoulder. But I want his presence more than I want healing in my shoulder. Victoria broke her foot last week, and the devil tried to take her out of commission for a few weeks because I can't get her to come up on the stage when her shoes don't match. Everybody be sure and get a selfie with Victoria. <laughs> oh. But I believe in miracles, and I, I anticipate miracles, but I only anticipate miracles as I draw closer to him because when I get in his face, miracles just break out. We've seen miracles just happen in our worship services across the world. We, we'll, just, we'll just worship and maybe declare, make a declaration, and then in the worship... Deaf ears open up. Yeah. That happened in Moline, Illinois. This—it was the funniest story. This woman—we uh, were just worshiping, and her deaf ear opened up. And the way she realized it, she heard how bad her husband was singing <laughs> with her deaf ear. That's just funny. That's—that's that's just funny that God would—God uh, would do that. Uh, so miracles happen. We've—we've we've watched it, but we're not dancing so that we can get. We're dancing so that we can give. I give you my dignity. I refuse to worry about what somebody thinks about me if I can't dance. I'm still going to give you my leprechaun dance if, if I, if I can't. The Bible doesn't contain one single instance of God being worried about the size of his church. All we have to do is get serious about pursuing him. Perfume yourself with the anointing and enter into such heated worship. toward him without caring who is there or who is not. Set your sights on the goal of breaking open the heavens to behold his glory over your city, over your nation, till you can say, I hear the sound of God walking. There are just some people that God likes to be around. Uh, Why why don't you, musicians, I'm done. Uh, I have one more thing I want to say then I'm going to pass this. Church history is filled with people who obtained favor from the Lord in unusual ways. Some of us have favorites. Lord, somebody mentioned Benny Hinn a few weeks ago in their sermon and somebody watching online was appalled that we would even, I shouldn't even say that. Um, Keep a civil tongue in your head, please. That was from a movie. Carson even liked that. Keep a civil tongue in your head. But we have heroes in the faith that we look to and uh, admire. One of those that I've always admired is Catherine Kuhlman. I remember watching her on television with my mom when I was 10 years old, 11 years old, and I was intrigued with this weird woman. There was just something about her that, arrested my attention. I would see, I would watch the way she talked. Looked like Nora Desmond. (laughs) Some of y'all, I'm sorry. Some of these people don't even know who Nora Desmond is. Uh, Nicole said, we're not as old as you. (laughs) I only know who Nora Desmond is because Carol Burnett did a skit on her, um, on the Carol Burnett show. Oh Lord, I just... Squirrel. (laughs) Watching Catherine Coleman on TV and then the miracles. The miracles. And I would feel the presence of God when she spoke. So intrigued by this woman and the way she said God. God. I think I'll say God like that. God. But I was just so moved and then my mom bought her book Called I Believe in Miracles Anybody ever seen the book or read the book And I would read that book And I, when I read I, could, I would go through these stories Of people that would tra- travel Hundreds of miles to be in an arena And have to sit up in the nosebleed section With terminal sickness And she would call their name And God would heal them in that moment And it's like as I'm reading the book I could hear her voice I was intrigued by this woman is hero. I respected her for so many reasons. The miracles, that was just amazing. But let's lay aside the miracles and the successful ministry. Let's lay that aside. Without being disrespectful, I'd like to tell you what she was not. She wasn't known as a great Bible teacher or a great preacher, although she could do both. She didn't have natural beauty that some people get exalted for. They get favor because they look good. She's, she, she, she was not a beautiful Again, no disrespect. She wasn't a great singer. She couldn't move crowds with an amazing voice. And the list goes on. But what could she do? She just seemed to be the person that God liked to be with. She was known for the presence. The miracles came from that one thing. The mass conversions came from that one thing. The high places of worship in her meetings came from that one thing. She was a presence person. I get a little weepy. This last week I've watched a few videos. If you wanna just kind of search, there's all kinds of videos that will come up and you can hear her, this strange woman talk about God. There's this one video where she talks about her point of absolute surrender to the Holy Spirit. It's sobering to watch she testifies of the precise moment, the precise location where she said the ultimate yes to God. Watching her, you knew that she was completely dependent on God there was one person that was that we ever knew was completely dependent upon God. It was Catherine Kuhlman. She said yes and was given the privilege of hosting him in ways that few of us have imagined. I remember being with a, a, an older preacher who was telling my dad about going to a meeting where Catherine was speaking and uh, he had access to go meet her in the green room. She was invited to come. But when she got To the green room, he he stepped into the door. He knocked. Nobody answered. He just kind of opened the door, and she was over with her hands against the wall. And he heard her praying this prayer. He said he walked into the glory of God, and he saw her with her face against the wall and her hands upon the wall, saying, "God, trust me with, with Your presence again. Just trust me with Your presence." so if I want to copy somebody that's who I'm going to copy and I, I came in here again yesterday afternoon and found my place on the floor and I just prayed God trust us with your presence trust us with your presence and that's when I remembered that verse in Genesis 3 verse 8 and Adam heard the sound I could envision it. I could feel it in the room. I could hear the sound of God walking in this building. There is such purpose, such destiny, such power waiting to be revealed through the people of this house. Who will continue this journey with me as we Practice the presence of the Lord inviting him into every hour of the day inviting him into our dream life inviting him into every conversation it'll change the kind of conversations you have sometimes you know we end up we find ourselves on the edge of gossip but if you're inviting him into your conversations gossip will dissipate But you don't know what that person did. It doesn't matter what they did. His presence is more important. His presence is more important. And so uh, I'm just I'm just committed for the rest of my life, every day, to be a person that God likes to be with. I'll write songs I'll write books I hope that the body of Christ is blessed I hope that people that aren't saved will come into the kingdom as a result of it as the, because they will see hunger in my heart and just see that I'm not moved by the applause of men and that's that's who I am. That's, I'm never going to try to pretend to be anything else. I'm committed to lead you into his presence. Thank you for joining us today at the Dwell Church Podcast. For more information about Dwell Church, visit us at dwell.church.